And there was one photo where I kind of revealed the behind the scene of how I took the photo. All of a sudden, this video on, on TikTok hits 11 million views. Wow. And I gained 250,000 followers in 48 hours. What? And now I'm like, <laughs> what is happening with this app? There's something with this app that I've worked for five years to get to 30,000 followers, conceptualizing, collaborating, thinking so much. Here I am on TikTok, I post something, blows up. Hey guys, I'm Arie. And I'm Christina. And we are your hosts at the Film Up Podcast, where we explore the stories of accomplished filmmakers and creatives and their road to success. Each podcast is dedicated to a nonprofit of our guest choosing. The goal here is for the Film Up Podcast to help filmmakers and help the world at the same time. We believe you can do both. Today, we are thrilled to be joined by Matthew Forget. Matthew Forget, also known as Forget Matt, is a world-renowned creator, producer, and performer from Paris who specializes in movement and lifestyle art. His clients include notable brands such as Gucci, DGI, Samsung, Mini Cooper, and many more. His mission is to promote free expression and elevate people physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Also known as The Flying Man, with videos hitting hundreds of millions of views worldwide, Matthew is also a big supporter of Restaurants du Corps, a French charity that distributes food packages and hot meals to those in need, among much more. So he is dedicating this episode to their organization, and you can learn more by going to their website, which we have listed in the description of this episode. Matthew, thank you for being here. Yo, what's up? Thank you. Thank you guys for having <laughs> me. It's uh, I'm really happy, really excited. So forget Matt as your nickname. I have a feeling that people aren't going to forget you. So it's a bit ironic, but I appreciate the name. So that just <laughs> came from your last name being Forget, and then taking it, putting it in the front. And for us Americans who will always say forget, you just made it easy for Ex us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it started, I think, just right when Instagram uh, was created, I was trying to find a cool nickname and you know Mathieu Forger was really long and I thought how can I make it short and sweet and I just put forget Matt and I just and you know at the time I just thought it was funny and you know I did that I don't know ten, eight, eight years ago eight or ten years ago and now down the line I'm like it was actually quite a good name you know just to not to <laughs> brag too much about it but I'm pretty happy about about that th that choice. Well, you're you're certainly a creator at heart and definitely adapting where you can. I know the first time we had a call with you, we did a pre-call to this podcast. You jumped on and you said, hey, guys, I'm not going to turn my camera on because I'm currently sitting in an ice bath because I've been performing all day and I literally don't have time to just move between things. So you're clearly someone who knows how to just go with the flow and, and move quickly. That was a really funny experience. But before we get into everything that you do now and your successes to date, one of the ways that we like to start off this podcast is from the beginning and what got you into filmmaking, becoming a creator, an influencer, performing arts, and what tipped you off to start moving in this direction? Where did your story begin? Yeah, totally. So I'm going to try and keep it short because I feel like everybody's story is quite long. Uh, but on my end, since I'm a kid, I've always loved performing, being on stage, being in front of people. 
I, I was just impressed by uh, people that had superpowers, you know, people that could fly, people that just could do backflips. I mean, just any physical prowesses were something that 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 I was really interested in. And I grew up playing tennis. I come from a family where everybody plays tennis. And I discovered basically hip hop dancing when I was 15, 16 years old, because to me, it was a perfect mix of, of art and sport at the same time. And I, at, at that age, I would literally watch music videos all day on MTV and all these channels. And, and so at, at some point, I said, well, if I want to be in that TV, I need to go to the US because that's where it's happening. And so I kind of had to deal with my parents where uh, they say, well, look, if you're because I was playing tennis at the time, they said, if you're good enough to have a scholarship, you can actually go there and study dance and study art and all the things that you want and actually have it uh, being paid by your sport. So that was kind of the challenge. So I actually dedicated a year after I graduated from high school to just play tennis, ended up getting a scholarship. And I moved to the U.S. and that's really where I was able, you know, to try acting, dancing, uh, music, uh, theater, costume design. I did so many things because I think the American system is awesome when you go to college for that. You can really test yourself out and see what you what you like and kind of what where you want to go later on. And um, after four years of college, I had the choice to either go on the tour as a tennis player or finally maybe go to Los Angeles and actually compete now against these guys I was seeing on TV. So I stayed a year in Los Angeles, then visa issues, you know, I had to come back to Paris. I kept doing the same thing, being in a creative world, uh, testing out a lot of different stuff. Then I had a job opportunity that brought me to New York. And then when I was in New York, that's really where I, I started diving into social media, where I discovered photography, started getting brand deals, started getting a lot of different things. And, um, and within, I stayed six years in New York, COVID happened. I went back to France. I was supposed to stay here for two months. And actually, it's been a year and a half now because I've been lucky enough to have amazing brand deals and, and, and work with awesome artists and people that, that, that really inspire me. So I'm able to really now for the last two years been able to live, you know, live off my ideas and my creativity to, to, to create concepts, projects, hire other people and really kind of go towards where I, I, I'd like to, to go in the, over the next couple of years. I was going to ask you about your, your background and when you started up with performing arts and dancing, did you have a community of people that you did it with or did you just do it on your own? How did your friends, you know, we heard how your family re responded to it. Was it a challenge to be able to do performing arts at a young age or did you just do it and not really face any adversity? No, I, I think to me, you know, so I grew up in quite a pr privileged environment. I grew up in Geneva, I was in an in an international private school with wealthy kids and stuff like that. And I think part of the reason that that also that I got so attracted to performing arts, especially hip hop, was because it was very different from what I was grow I was I was growing into. And I think when you're a kid, you 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 always want something that that you don't have. Your parents tell you you can't have candy, so you want candy. If you have candy all over the entire time, maybe you don't want it as much. So that was probably subconsciously a reason why also uh, drove me towards um, towards hip hop. And and so when I started taking dance classes, I would what I loved about dancing is that it mixes all classes, all gender 
cultures, all all backgrounds. So all of a sudden, you know, everybody goes with a jogging uh, a t-shirt, and here you are just learning how to do moves and use your body. And that is something that I really liked at the time, and that made me sort of meet new people that I probably wouldn't have met in the first place at school. On the weekends, when I discovered hip hop, it was either I could go skiing in the very luxurious ski stations of Switzerland or go in like a, a dance studio with sweaty kids and you know spin them on, on the floor and that to me was really what I wanted to do because I felt like I know I kind of felt at home and I, it was the first time that I, that I felt like I was starting to to have a bit of a community and friends that could really understand me and I think just just hip-hop and movement was something that 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 really gave me a lot of motivation so that's mm how I got into it and you know of course in the beginning when I told my parents look I, I'm 16 years old 17 I want to be a hip-hop dancer you know parents are it's like if you tell your parents I want to be an artist it's not an easy job and there's no way of doing it so of course my parents were a little you know they were a bit hesitant about the fact that you know I could go there and especially you know at the same time because I was watching on TV you know ushers and MTV cribs and pay my ride and all these things where you see very successful people with multi-million dollar houses and shoes and stuff like that so to me it was like oh I want to go to the US because I can have all of that at the same time but the reality was you know my parents challenged me and said look it's not that easy to make money and you know being in the a dancer is not a profession where you can make a lot of money you know compared to being a businessman and working in the banking world in Switzerland and I had these ambitions and at the same time what I wanted to do didn't really match. My parent was sort of warning me about that. It's so unbelievable that you wanted to be, you know, a professional dancer and performing artist. So you became really good at tennis to justify to your parents that you can do it. <laughs> and I think that's that's incredible. Mm -hmm. That's a remarkable background where you can just build up that skill set and you had it just goes to show how much drive you had to follow your passion. And when did that moment happen where it went from performing artists to really building your own brand and capturing your own content and you you essentially became a professional at making media content, yeah. um, also driven by your passion for performing arts. When did that switch start to happen? Well, first, thank you for, for, say, for saying that. Because <laughs> you know, I, I still think I'm a work in progress, but I do enjoy what I'm doing. And it seems that some people are enjoying it as well. So so thanks for that. But yeah, really, in the w then when I moved to LA, the goal was I want to be able to dance with these artists. So I was mainly focused on being a better athlete, a better dancer, taking classes, going to the gym. And I was also, you know, as a, as a performing artist, if you want to be a dancer, it's also cool that you try and do acting auditions and do commercials. So I was taking improv classes. I was taking on camera acting classes. I was really trying to make myself the best artist I could potentially be to book a commercial or a music video or a tour, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, and it takes time. I mean, I think creative industries, no matter what you're doing, take a lot of time you have to be in the business uh, for a while before you actually maybe get that first job and meet that first person it, it is a, a, an industry that takes time it's not something that just happens overnight and sometimes we think it is because we see all of a sudden someone has success but if you look back all these people that are successful have maybe 10 5 20 years of background before they're actually able to do that um and, and so, you know, back to what I was saying, uh, so mainly I was trying to be like a performer and, um, and then so I went back to Paris and then when I moved to New York, I was always trying to find ways, to, how can I be discovered, how can I be casted, how can I be seen, because I was submitting myself on, you know, Actors Access and casting networks to try and get auditions to, to be seen. And, and, you know, that is very time consuming and you're very dependent on the casting director or the choreographer or the 
an agent to kind of give you the jobs. And and at that same time, I, I was realizing that social media was a really nice way to promote yourself. And I had influencer friends that were literally just good looking people with really good marketing skills that were able to fly to places and start making money by just posing that didn't necessarily have a real talent. They were just really good business people and knew how to shoot themselves. And I thought that's interesting that these people that are not like me, that are not dancers working their asses off to, you know, to be able to do flips and do this and do that are able to have a life or at least it looks like 10 times better than than I have by just taking photos. So I thought there's something with social media there. And so so I started diving into how to use this machine. And so I started thinking, well, if I'm a dancer, I need to be seen by people as a dancer. So maybe I should start posting photos of me dancing because my social media at the time was just photos of my life, like the orange juice I was drinking or where I was going, but it didn't sleep showcase me as a as, as a as, as a performing artist so i i realized that the, i had a friend that had really nice she worked in finance but she had really nice dancing photos and i thought wow these photos are amazing like you didn't take these photos with your phone did you she said and she told me no i have a photographer friend we shoot once a week just for the fun of it and and I said, these are really cool photos. You think I could connect with this guy? She said, yeah, for sure. So we met up, I met this photographer and we did a little photo shoot that was really, it was free, it was creative. We just exchanged, we, we spent two hours of our of our time together. And I had really cool photos where I was, you know, kind of dancing, doing cool poses. And that, you know, made me think, oh, that was really cool. Maybe I should do it again. And maybe I should search at other photographers because he's not necessarily always going to do it for free. You know, understand that maybe it's his job or... So I started using Instagram as a way to reach out to photographers and say, hey, you know, I'm a dancer. You seem to be a dance photographer. Would you want to do some kind of collab together? And, you know, I had a lot of people say, well, that's my rate. That's how much it costs. And I said, oh, okay, well, I, I don't have the money now to pay, you know, $300, $400 for a photo shoot. And I realized that a way to get less no's was maybe to then uh, uh, propose an idea to the photographer. Instead of just saying, hey, I like your photos. Can you shoot me? You know, like now in the position that I am as a content creator and photographer, if someone just reaches out and says, hey, I want cool photos. Be like, okay, so what do what do I get out of it? You know, unless you're followed by 10 millions of people, like what do I really get out of it? So and so putting myself in that position, I thought, well, what if I came up with an idea? I said, look, hey, man, I love your photography. And at the time I was New York, you know, is the mecca of street photographers. So I thought, well, let me, I love this style and I love the moody aspects and the lines and the architecture and it's grimy and it's cool and it's, how cool would it be in there to see a dude just doing a backflip or doing stuff like that? So I started proposing ideas to photographers and that, you know, didn't always work, but it worked a lot more. The one collab led to another and another and another. And then I kind of had this schedule of doing collaborations all the time. So that was really for me the beginning and you know of understanding social media. And as I was taking photos and posting a lot of different things and I was doing breakdancing poses, I was bringing outfits on and stuff like that. And one day I did one photo where I just jumped in the air and I realized that my interaction went from maybe 30 likes to 50 likes. I thought, okay, that's interesting. Why, why is that more? And, that, and we're solely talking Instagram. I was just on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So then I kept playing with the idea of just jumping and all the photos where it seemed like I was kind of floating or levitating or jumping had more interaction than others. So I kept playing with the idea and really one day I took one photo with a photographer in Chicago. His name is Zach Lipson and I always refer to him where we basically did a, a pose where I'm, my fist is in front of the camera just like that and he had the focus on that and then all the rest was kind of blurry. 
It took us 40 tries to get the photo because it was almost impossible. But that first photo went semi-viral and was reposted by multiple accounts and multiple things. And I realized that, okay, there's something interesting about that pose. I gained a lot of followers all of a sudden. And then I met another photographer. And then I kept playing with the idea of like the Superman, the guy who flies in the air. Then my branding started becoming like, oh, the guy who just jumps in the air and, and who flies. And, and that's really how it started. And just I had fun doing this because I was always traveling. And I just kept doing the same method because it was more and more successful step by step. And, you know, it got me from 2,000 followers to 5,000 followers, 5,000. Now photographers are reaching out to me also because they thought it would be cool to do a photo together. 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. And, oof, you know, just I did a lot of other things that took me to where I am today. But that was really kind of the beginning on how I started getting into, in, into social media from artistic collaborations, really. And then there was a point too where you started going up to strangers. You would film yourself going up to them, asking them, and then shooting it. Was that a big viral part of your journey? Yeah, well, I, I think here's the thing. I, I, as I was always creating new content, and you know, I just, I was really, I love people that were very creative on social that could do fun edits, that could do really nice photos. And my goal was to always collaborate. Once I did photographers, I was like, how can I collaborate with cool filmmakers or with uh, filmmakers that do VFX or people that had their own little ideas on social media and how can we both benefit from this, from this collaboration? And there was one photo where I kind of revealed the behind the scene of how I took the photo. And that at the time went from a thousand likes to 3000 likes. And I thought, okay, that's amazing. Why is that? Because the pose is super simple and I'm literally just jumping and I'm falling. It's not sexy at all. It's not cool at all, but that one worked. And instead of, of thinking, which was my mistake, okay, maybe I should do more of that. I didn't do any more and I kept just doing really, really cool photos and maybe some dance videos. And it was really right before my 30, my 30th birthday. And, and I did a remake of the Joker video with creative friends. I had a friend who was a filmmaker, a friend who was a photographer. So it was Max Reed and Eric Hercules. And we thought there's all this hype around the, the Joker stairs. Let's go there and shoot something, but let's be respectful to the people that live there. Let's go early in the morning. Let's not bring loud music because there was a lot of, you know, issues happening because you had so many people all of a sudden that were going on these stairs and just polluting them with just 30, 40 people. So the locals were really like, hey, like we don't want you guys here. It's not because the movie is trending that you should be here. So we try to really respect it with the early in the morning. And I posted that video and that was really my first big viral video. And that got me from, I think, 27,000 followers to like 32,000 followers, like within a week, <laughs> right before my 30th birthday. So I was super stoked and I was really happy. Right after that, People were talking about TikTok. It had already been up for almost a year. And, you know, everybody, at least my age, was saying, oh, TikTok is for kids. It's not cool. It's this, it's that. But what I loved about TikTok is it was mainly a dance app. And I'm a dancer. So I thought, well, I might as well try this app. So I did a dance, a TikTok dance video. But as a professional dancer, who, who, you know, I was just recreating the dance. My first video got 200,000 views. Whereas none of my videos on Instagram ever got that amount of views. Maybe the top one that Joker ever won maybe got 20,000, which was awesome at the time. That one got 200,000. And then what I did is I did uh, my fifth video was basically, remember that first Instagram post where I jumped and I fell and I told you it, it had like 3,000 likes. All of a sudden, this video on, on TikTok hits 11 million views. Wow. And I gained 250,000 followers in 48 hours. What? And now I'm like, what is happening with this app? There's something with this app that I've worked for five years to get to 30,000 followers, conceptualizing, collaborating, thinking so much. Here I am on TikTok. I post something. 
blows up. And so I just kept playing with the TikTok idea and just, there were so many trends happening. There was this big trend of people going up to strangers and literally shooting photos. I thought it was kind of cool. You know, I'm, I was more on the artsy side. I really wanted to always create very beautiful visuals, very aesthetic, nice camera, stuff like that. But I saw that it was trendy and I thought, you know, maybe let me try and do one one day. And I actually did it. And that video on TikTok got 60 million views. I said, okay, wow. well, I have to keep playing with this idea a little bit because that's what, you know, I think it got to a point where as, a, as I think as an artist, I was really trying to just show only what I wanted to the people, but I wasn't necessarily thinking like, what do people want really? And I think that takes also a lot of maturity and a lot of confidence to being able to say, this is my branding. This is what I know that I can do. Um, but I also need to give people what they want to see. And so that was one concept. And, you know, it wasn't the only one that got me viral, but that was a concept where then I started going up to strangers. They did it in New York also with two girls that were doing TikToks in the, in the square. And I thought, okay, I'm going to just go to these cute girls. And they were, they were maybe like 10 or 12 year old. And I did a funny video, a million views. So I was like, okay, this is maybe one asset that I can use, but I think it's important to know as an artist, especially in the creative world, if you start being famous for something, then you're branded as that. And my goal was not to be branded as the guy who makes viral videos going up to strangers because, you know, it's just I like it. But I really want to be known as the more of the flying guy that does awesome flying photos around the world. And and that really has a, has a creative sense and can produce really high quality videos and all of that. But at the same time, if something is successful, why not use it? So what I did then is I thought I'm going to still using the stranger idea. But instead of really going up to strangers, because that's not what I do, I'll do it with famous people that I get to meet or really interesting uh, artists. So I, and you know, I did it with this guy in New York, Alex Wong, who's a friend of mine, a dancer, this girl named uh, Happy Kelly on TikTok, who's also really famous uh, TikToker and a great dancers. And within the network that I developed over the years, I thought, let me play with this idea. Maybe I'll stage it a little, but it still works in a way, you know, and the thing is, that's kind of maybe one of my trademarks now, but I also have others that that got me kind of, you know, known on social media and that also went viral. But that is one of them. It's funny how you talk to those instantaneous viral moments where in one moment you have, you know, a couple thousand followers to within 24 hours jumping to 250,000 followers. And Obviously, to the outside eye, it seems instantaneous. But when you listen to what you're talking about, you took a very methodical approach and you're really data driven and work super hard to throwing things against the wall and seeing what worked. It's funny how hindsight's 2020. You know, you look at your your logarithmic scale and it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you did this, this happened, this happened, this happened, but you didn't know those things were going to happen. It's just through constantly trying and adapting. Was there like a, an oh shit moment when things really started to scale and you were like wait i might know what i'm doing here um but i, I think the, the tiktok part was you know was kind of scandalous in a way because it went by so fast but at the same time i think i was kind of ready for it because i had you know worked for five years on testing out so many different ideas you know like i said i was doing and even more seven eight years of doing vines doing like model photos doing dance photos doing concept dance concepts and 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 I, then i've realized that the thing that was working was the idea of the flying man man in levitation basically around the world so that was kind of like my trademark but it took me years to find out that that is the thing that 
that is that is successful on social that is kind of getting me a bit of attention and it's also something that I love but I think we are part of this new generation we're not only artists but we are also business people we are marketers and we have to understand you know everything that goes around it at least if you want to work in this industry it's not just you're a painter or you're an artist and you have everybody do do things for you you can be a dancer and a photographer and a social media content creator and in what I do like I'm happy with it and I'm able to make a living so wow. I don't know if I'm the best at it I don't think so but at least I'm doing something that makes me happy and that you know people are enjoying as well so I think that's the most important well I, I think you're pretty damn good at it and it just goes to show from how your content is picking up but what's funny is you know like any great creator you do things differently and that drive to do things differently is what's attracting people you're doing something new it's a different approach and people are pull, pulled into something that they didn't know necessarily that they'd like because of your creative approach where do you think that drive came from because I think back to that moment in Geneva and you know you could go to the Alps but you're deciding to go to a sweaty dance studio instead where it's just that you're, you're making these choices that are abnormal. Is there something that's just innate within you to do that? Was that a way that you were raised? I'm curious to where um, the motives come from to, to try and fail and try and fail. Oh, I, th I think if, if you go into that discussion, you, you know, it's like psychologist talks right there. I think it is. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I think, yeah, it is inside all of us, you know, the, the drive to want to do things. And I, I, I think ultimately it comes out of passion. If you're passionate about something, no matter what it is, cooking, architecture, drawing, helping others no matter you will find a motivation to just put in the hours and do things that are probably abnormal to others because to you it doesn't seem abnormal it seems like it's the only way that you have to live in order to to, to make yourself fulfilled and happy of course it's challenging of course it's hard i'm not saying that i'm like i wake up every morning i'm like oh cool i'm super happy and it's gonna be really easy i mean i had challenges in order to go somewhere you have to do a lot of different things in order to be a, a full-time artist and content creator today. I had to be a tennis teacher. I had to, you know, move out to New York when I leave, you know, Switzerland when I was 18 years old, go to college on my own. I had to uh, get a visa that was canceled. So I moved back to Paris, then get a work in the ping pong club in New York. So I had challenges, of course, in order to go to where I am today. And I, I don't know where it's going to evolve. I think in, in a couple of years, I might maybe now do music or I might do, uh, go into cinema. I might go into something else because I'm passionate by so many things. And once you find the, let's say your trademark, I think that makes you known for a little something, then if you're smart enough, it's like, okay, now how can I build upon that to go to the next step, really? Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, you've collaborated with so many different types of artists. I know one of my favorite collaborations you've done was with, I think he's a New York City artist, Ran Ortner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the one where you were the flying man in front of this wave painting. And yeah. I was reading about it. And I don't know if you said this or if Ran said this, but I wrote it down because it was so beautiful. It said, like waves, we are in motion. Each individual, like a wave moving through the ocean, dissipates. This collaboration is both a nod to stillness and a reminder that life can be lived wild and free like the waves in the ocean. And I think it really loops back to your mission, you know, using expression for elevating physical, emotional, and spiritual. And so I would love to learn a bit more of the backstory of that collab. Yeah. So I, I think this is probably my one of my biggest collabs, I think, today, because I was so fortunate. I met Ran through a friend of my dad. Um, and then my dad came to visit me in in, uh, in New York and said, hey, we have to go meet this artist named Ran. You'll see you'll love him. And he's very interesting. 
And, you know, I, to me, it was a, a, a clash of, of culture and of age and of everything, because here you have this man who's 60, 60, 60 year old, I think, and who has an incredible story. And, you know, he was a painter that basically was painting in the streets of Santa Barbara and never made a dime with his art. And to me, I'm like, how can you keep having talk about motivation when you make no money and you sell basically little paintings on the side of the road and people are like, oh, I'll buy two for $10. And that kind of really is a story. And to a point, he had no more money, but he was super talented. And his friend, basically his roommate at the time, said, look, there's this big art competition, which was, I think to this day, has been the biggest art competition in the world with prize money wise. And and he said, uh, you should you should submit because I really think you have a shot at it. And he said, well, I haven't. I can't do it. I have no money. So he gave him like 70 bucks. He actually uh, uh, registered him to that competition and ran won the competition. And I think because he paid one of these waves that he does. And I think he maybe, I forget the number, maybe it's $100,000 or it's even more. So he got a humongous amount of money that all of a sudden helped him kind of, first of all, put him in front of the world and the art world and be like, this guy really has a talent, but they also had money to now be able to, to live off of it. And then, you know, he he met more people and then he really took off his um his art to to another level uh and now you know he only paints massive paintings and you know he's able to sell uh you know his artworks and money is not a thing but it's just interesting to know you know sometimes he sells anywhere from i think it's five hundred thousand dollars to millions of dollars paintings but but what you have to understand behind that so imagine for me who makes at the time was making five hundred dollar collaboration on instagram with an artist that sells paintings for millions of dollars it there's a whole different world however he was interested in my work and i was really interested in his and not for the money aspect but just like how you know ran has like at a time he had seven painters working with him to help him work his vision one of his paintings takes about sometimes a year to make and when you look at it you think it's perfect and he goes no i have another six months to worry because he has a little laser and he shows you that there's not enough shadows here there's not enough light there it doesn't tell enough stories and you you think where does this guy find his ideas and how did he get to a level where he's able to spend so much time and in polishing this diamond basically it's much more than just a physical painting it's something that draws you somewhere else it's something that just reminds you of something and takes you maybe spiritually in, in a higher self so so th this collaboration was interesting because i just got to i sat hours with him just asking him questions like this like how did you get into it what do you research and that and and i think and he was interested about he's at point also where he wanted to share some of the things that he learned and yes you know i'm lucky because he did like my work in general and my movement and you know we met at the right time so it was perfect but that has has to be one of my collaborations where i learned the most from it I mean, it came out really well, and it's so cool that you get to work with this like wider range of human beings around the world. Just curious on the filmmaking and photography end, is there a specific camera you work with consistently throughout all of them, or how do you go about choosing what equipment to use? Yeah, so to me in the beginning, I was uh, I was kind of anti-cameras because I couldn't understand them, and it was really all my friends, like Eric Hercules is really, you know, my, my homie who I would say taught me photography because I think I always had an for it but I didn't know how to execute it so when I go into a spot you know in the beginning it was really a collaboration with Eric or with any photographers in general they would basically say okay stand there do a flip and maybe do another one let me change the angle and then by doing it so much I started coming up with the ideas and saying okay I like the spot the light is coming there you know maybe you stand there let me go here 
you know, I have a different change of clothes. Let me put something red because it'll pop a little more. And Eric was, we shot so much and he was sh shooting on Sony. And so that was, I had a Canon at the time. And then just by seeing him and all our friends are part of the Sony Alpha Collective shooting with Sony, you know, I started liking the grain, the quality of it. And then I'm just, I just was getting used to it. So I then bought a camera, also a Sony one. And because unfortunately, these guys were not always, you know, available to shoot with me because they have their own lives, their own jobs, their own projects. And I thought, well, I still need photos. I need to keep, you know, feeding the Instagram machine and keep putting my name out there. So I, that's when I started actually doing it on my own. I bought a tripod and I put a camera and a timer and I just jumped in front of it and started doing photos. So then I developed my skill, you know, as a photographer. So I'm now I'm, I'm pro Sony because that's what I work with most of the time. But honestly, I, I don't think the material matters. You can be Nikon, you can be Canon, you can be whatever. It's just, it's more to your taste and what you like and what you're comfortable with. But at the end, it's not the machine that will make a great photo, great visual. It's really the mind behind it and the idea that will that that will be that will make it work. Well, you've done some remarkable brand deals and have some really awesome clients like Gucci and DJI. What's the creative process like when you work with these brands? Do they reach out to you and say, "Hey, you know, we want to promote this product. Can you help us out?" Or do they have a vision in mind? What's the collaborative nature like when you work with these clients? Yeah. So, so I think now that once, you know, brands will call me because they understand the world that I have, my branding, it's the man who flies in the air and my message is, you know, it's about positivity. It's about bringing a bit of lightness in this world. It's about, it's, it's, it's aspirational in a way. So I think it, it, it connects with a lot of brands that are and I work mainly, I'm fortunate to work with a lot of luxury brands because that's what they aspire to. It's the, it's the savoir-faire. It's the, it's the, it's the going further. It's the, you know, it's, it's the, the feeling of being uh, free and in the air and stuff like that. So, so brands now, you know, will just, because I've been able to have a lot of publicity and I did a lot of media in France and social media helps a lot. They reach out and they say, look, we love the, the community that you've built, the, the branding that you have. We kind of want to jump basically in there and we have an idea or a product that I think fits within uh, your world. Here's the brief and uh, can you propose to us an idea that, that will match? You know, I've been doing this now for three, four years working with brands. So in the beginning, you know, you don't know how to negotiate, you don't know how to deal with it. And, you know, down the road, you you, you understand from it. You learn a lot from it, I mean. Um, and now, ideally, I only try to do what I call 360 projects. So it's basically I've done the thing where you take a photo, you post on Instagram. I've done the thing where you do a reel. I've done the thing where I just come and dance for you at an event and that's it. And I don't have to post anything. Now it's like, okay, how can we work on something that's all together? Can we create a campaign for your product or for whatever you're trying to launch that has photos? It also has visuals. It can be shared on social, of course. Uh, uh, can, I want to make a, a BTS uh, video, basically, that I want to share on YouTube to share the entire creative process that goes behind it because that is also what is successful on social media is, I think, showing the BTS and then YouTube is another cool platform. Then can we also add a live performance because I'm not only a creative that understands how to shoot cool visuals, but also I, I'm actually a dancer and I can perform in front of your VIPs, your audience, a live event. And now what has been happening is over the last years, people have been, you know, buying my photos and I've been trying, I've been slowly entering into the arts world. So then it's like, hey, can we make an actual photo expo out, out of out of this project? So of course, it's a bigger budget project and you know, it, it, it brands have to pay a lot more because it, it takes more time and I need more people to do it. But that is ideally what I 
only want to do because I think it's just it's more valuable for me for my time to kind of make myself known for something and also I think for a brand because they get the, the full package. Well, on behalf of us and the whole filmmaking community, thank you for behind the scenes content because that is how we, you know, started picking up the stuff that you were doing. We saw the behind the scenes posted content, we reshared it to our channel, and I'm so happy that you did that. And I know our community is too because they can learn so much from it. But outside of the behind the scenes content, I do have a personal question about fashion. You have incredible style, and I don't know if this is because you're working with brands like Gucci or if you just innately have an affinity towards fashion have you just like always been involved with fashion your whole life or this is just something that came up because of all the brands you started working with well you, i think the 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 easiest answer is and it's gonna sound very pretentious but uh, i'm french you know and <laughs> you grow up in fashion just like france is no is known for that you know so you know from where i grew up the people you see i mean it is definitely something that europe and france is known for and just you know, the, the, the inspiration comes daily. So you see guys in the street just dressing really well. You see guys on TV dressing really well. And that's really something I think French people take pride in. And that is something that, you know, I, 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 I kind of take pride in. And that is very important in my creations as well, because I'm, I'm, I happen to be the model as well as the photographer and the creative behind it. Um, and to me, the outfits is always very important. So I'm lucky to also now work with beautiful brands like Gucci and Berluzzi and, and Lacoste and, you know, and other ones. So I can kind of pick and choose based on the concept of what I'm doing. Hey, what is going to fit the best uh, for this for this concept? Have you had the chance yet to like walk past a storefront and see your photo in it and like some advertisement that you were in or has that like not happened? Is most of the campaigns more digital? No, I, I've done it. I've done something. I did something for Colombia uh, in Paris where my photos were blown up in front of this giant store and that was really cool. But yeah, recent, uh, recently, no, but I mean, I've done expos. So photo expos. Now I'm currently have one in Paris. There's 36 photos exposed. And, you know, as, uh, as you walk by it, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome to see, you know, you're in, on, on my phone, I'm this big. And now in these real photos, I'm, it's almost human size sometimes, you know? So, um, so I think it's, it's, it's really cool. Does it feel surreal to see yourself like blown up and walking past it and be like, hey, that's that's me? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, of course, I mean, it feels very, it's very gratifying and it's, and it's fun, you know, because you get to see like, now it's not so much just about sharing something on Instagram and social media. That's how it started. And it's kind of almost like I'm leveling up to something else. Like I've done a lot of things and I'll keep always living in the digital world because that's where I come from. That's what I understand. But, you know, the, the the thing that really changed for me was the moment people started asking me, hey, can we buy your photos? We want them in our homes. And I thought, that's like, why would you want your photos in my homes? I mean, I I think they're cool, but I don't think they're necessarily <laughs> that beautiful. And, you know, that really just, I, I went back in most of my photos and I said, there's actually some of them that I think have more aspirational content. And I could actually see potentially at my house and I started doing tests and printing them bigger size you know and i thought okay that's actually kind of cool and let me try them bigger and bigger and then i you know just lucky and grateful to have now brands and people asking me like hey can we buy your photo that scale like giant size i said okay let me try and then i think as a photographer that's really the goal it's like if you're a dancer you you you, you train and you dance to be on big stages because you want to share your your movement to the rest of the world as a photographer as a film if you're a filmmaker you want to create films to be shown on giant screens although netflix and stuff is great 
ideally every big filmmaker wants to see his movie really big because you see all the details you can see the work that went in it you can see the focus you know that was on the eye and not necessarily just on the background which when you're on big screen it's the best quality possible of your work same thing with photography when you print in large scale it's the best version of your photos and it really tells the the your story i mean the moment i saw one of my photos large scale and i was in front of it i said okay there's powers and energy there's something coming out of this photo that even is affecting me and i know it by heart because i spent hours doing it and then you see kids stopping by and they're like oh wow how is it is this fake is this not fake how do you do that and then it kind of makes me think that's when i was when i was a kid watching tv and our show i was like how does he do that how do he, how is he so cool how these blah 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 so, so that is really gratifying that is really exciting and i think motivates you to want to keep doing that kind of stuff well uh, speaking of photos you've sold there was one in particular which you i think you took with a homeless man and his dog yeah and you did something really beautiful with the profits of that would you mind telling that story yeah of course I mean, so, I, so, I, so during the first pandemic, as I told you, I was in LA and, you know, I was one of these guys that, you know, was careful, of course, with COVID, but I, I also thought like, I want to keep doing that. I can't just stay home. And because the streets were empty, I kind of took the risks to kind of go out and well, you know, maybe I catch, maybe I don't, but I, I want to keep creating because I had to keep doing it. I couldn't just stay home not doing anything. And so I was out shooting with a friend of mine named Terry at Asterix on Instagram. And uh, we decided to walk through the streets of the empty streets of LA basically and shoot photos. And we're, we basically had a cool shoot and we walked by uh, this homeless man. And, and at the time just seeing him and I just really have a moment of thinking oh my god like you know we're lucky to go home and i mean it's already a sad situation when you see homeless people but especially in that time with covid if they catch it what's going to happen to them because i don't even know what's going to happen to me and i have a luxurious lifestyle you know uh, at home and 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 i had a bit of cash and i said well let me i'm going to give him cash because i want to and as i stopped by him he he, he had a lot of light inside of him and so we ended up just talking a little bit and he actually saw, you know, the camera that we had and he started asking us questions about the camera and we said, oh, we're dancing with photographers and we do this, we do that. And I actually said, do you want to take a photo together? I mean, you know, not even thinking, just sharing like a good moment with this guy who would seem like out there giving cash. I thought it'd be cool to maybe do another photo. I mean, that's a passion of mine and I have fun doing it. And so I did the photo, I basically jumped and I dropped the money in his in his glass and the photo was beautifully captured by, by Asterix. And, um, and I posted that on social media and really, you know, the part of me was a bit skeptic at the beginning because I thought, well, if I'm going to post that, people are going to say, oh, you took advantage of a homeless man and to make profit for yourself and blah, 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 which I had, I, you know, the result, a lot of people were mean about it, but a lot of people were very positive. And my goal was just to spread a positive message and just bring a little bit, a bit of awareness with this moment and just really share a, a nice moment I have with someone, no matter if he's a homeless or not. I just had a cool moment with him and the photo is beautiful. So someone reached out to me from Switzerland and said, hey, I want to buy this photo. I, I just love the message. I love everything, the colors. And that was really the first photo I ever sold. And, you know, I sold it for, it was about $400, $500 at the time. And I called the photographer and I say, hey man, 
do you want to should we split by three like you know i i get a split you get a split and then should we go back to this guy uh, larry is his name and his dog is rebel can we go back to him like and see if he's there and give him the money so we went back and we saw it and and we filmed it because you know we thought we might never use it but at least it's a moment we will never be able to capture again so let's just back it up in case and because we had already talked to the guy and we knew he was okay filming him you know we didn't feel like intruding him and just going into his space because that's you know as i said with the joker and other videos that's something i'm always try to be pretty careful about and he saw and he loved it you know and he got a hundred twenty or hundred thirty dollars out of this uh, out of this print and i actually didn't post the video of anything at the time i waited a year and a half later to post it because I wanted to share it, but I felt like it was missing a piece. And actually I went back to Switzerland, I met the guy who bought it, and then I took a photo with the actual photo to show that it was real, because so many people could say it's fake and say, oh, look, uh, oh, I sold, a, I sold a photo and then I give the guy money, but nobody could go to, an, everybody, everyone can go to an ADM, just give money, and then the story is fake, you know, and that's purely for social media. So I waited until I found a real photo, I, and I did a little reel where I showed that it's actually true and then reuse the footage of course from a year ago where i actually go up to him um and you know i guess it, it touched a lot of people because the the video went multi-viral and um yeah and I, I i just i'm pro the message of just helping others and you know the les restos du coeur which you which you said earlier is an association here in um you know in friends that starts you know st was started by a very famous french comedian who said everybody has the right to to eat you know at least that's the minimum we can we can all do and so he started doing these these big things and just feeding the homeless and people in needs and then it became such a big charity that now you know they help kids they uh with school problems they they um um what else do they do? Uh, people that can't really speak French too much, they'll help, they'll help kids uh, learn French. Uh, they do physical activities, schooling exercises. So they do a lot of, of things. And also one of my favorite things about it is a way for them to, to collect money. It's not just calling for them to, for you to donate. If they basically have one of the biggest networks of artists that I grew up with in France watching and every year they organize, which I think to me is the coolest show on earth. And they do a huge music dance shows with pe performers, dancers, singers, and all these celebrities just get together and just sing in order to raise money for, uh, for this, uh, for this charity. So, so now I wasn't able to be in the, you know, in the, in the show this year, but I hope that I'll be able to, to, to be in the next ones because it just links back to everything that I love performing, dance, music, photography, and giving back in a way also. That's beautiful. Uh, we could literally talk to you forever, but um, we're, we're already going over and we, we have this round at the end of each podcast called Rapid Fire, which we ask a few fun questions. Yeah, I love it. We are going to start with the first one, which is what's the most outrageous request you've received either from a client or someone on set when you're doing a shoot? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of, I mean, if I was on set once doing a commercial in France, and and um and I think the shot was it was basically me going down the stairs and having to kind of go down, have a backpack and, and spin. And as we were doing it, I mean I think the first two takes were great. And then I don't know what happened. It was some kind of miscommunication between the clients and the director and me. And so they were at some point to say, Well, can you can you please go down the stairs slower, but at the same time go faster and yet turn but not too fast, but slow enough. 
there was this kind of confusion where I said, I, I don't think it, it doesn't make any sense what you're saying right now. So, and that I think happens a lot for, you know, for actors and dancers and stuff like that on set. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. Well, you just, just go with it. That's so funny. All right. Second question. What's the weirdest DM you've ever received? Oh, it's from, uh, probably <laughs> you'll, you'll have sometimes girls that are straight up front and I, I don't get like hot you know, it's horny messages, but it's kind of, oh, like, you know, I love your work. I want to collaborate with you and then we can get married. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, no, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Marriage proposals. <laughs> yeah. We've gotten that before. Marriage proposals <laughs> through collaborations. That's basically the thing. Like, come shoot me and we can get married. I'm like, yeah. okay. Well, All right. Last question. What is the motto that you live by? Uh, the motto that I live by is from a famous French uh, poet and writer named uh, Clemenceau. And he says, la vie est une œuvre d'art, which means life is a work of art. And I think it's just, it's perfect because it's super simple and it says everything. Basically says that we are, you know, we're basically painting our own story uh, with our movement, with our passion, with our love, with everything else. And we're just basically, yeah, creating our own piece a piece of art or with uh, with age and we'll start here and then one day we'll finish there wow well well one way we like to end out the podcast is just learning about what projects you're currently working on is there anything that you need from the filmmaking community um and we just love to know what's going on in your life um well there's a lot a lot of really cool things happening and i'm very excited um Basically, um, I'm doing a, an expo in Turkey over the summer, um, a couple expos that is a really cool cultural artistic project in this beautiful country, which I didn't know before. And I'm basically so working, I'm doing a collaboration with the Edition Hotel in Bodrum, uh, where I'm going to be exposing some of my photos. Then some of these photos are also going to go in the uh, Cultural Institute of Istanbul. And then potentially in the, in the modern museum of Ankara, the capital. So that to me is just very exciting because it's kind of really being able to portray my message as an artist, you know, and not so much as a content creator or as a dancer. It's really just what I want to stand for and just be able to create beautiful visual and have a real story behind it, uh, and, uh, and be able to expose and really uh, establish places. Uh, I have smaller, really cool, uh, you know, brand deals coming up with um, cool projects, cool press trips and stuff like that. Um, um, what else? I'm, I'm trying to launch a little uh, online class because I've had a lot of people always ask me, hey, what do you use? What do you shoot? And I shot it a year ago, but I've had so many projects that I haven't had the time to really just sit down and just kind of really finish editing it and posting it out there trying to get into the nft space because it seems a lot of people are into it and i've had requests here and there about getting into it so that is something i'm working on and i would say the the biggest project uh that is probably over the next three years is if you know cross fingers if everything goes well i will be working with the paris 2024 olympics to start shooting photos in all the the places where the olympics are gonna st are gonna happen in 2024 uh shooting photos and videos uh, of me levitating in these locations but also uh flying with uh, athletes from all around the world to really you know promote this message of sports meets art and just the you know uh, make uh, our beautiful city of paris shine bright around the world
So yeah, I think I'll end on that. So it's a nice, wow. it's a nice, nice way to finish. <laughs> nice closeout. Well, Matthew, it has been such a privilege getting to speak with you. And thank you to our incredible audience for tuning in. To contact Matthew, you can DM him on Instagram at his handle, Forget Matt. Matt, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. And thank you again, everyone, for tuning into the Film Up podcast. I'm your host, Christina. And I'm Arya. Stay tuned for our next episode dropping every Tuesday. Till next time.